This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Lord God, I am so thankful. So thankful for every person that is here today. So thankful for uh, what we got to sing about today, which was your power and all that you do for us, your grace, the freedom you give us, the love you lavish on us, Lord. And so we just take a moment just to breathe that in. God, as we are about to open up your word, as we're about to open up the scriptures, I pray that you open up our hearts. Because there's something for every single one of us here today, some lesson you want us to grasp, some uh, uh, principle you want us to take deeper into our life, Lord. Help us just to be ready to receive that. For the next 30 minutes, push out those uh, thoughts about all the things we still have to do on our to-do list and school starting and all those kinds of things, God. Help us to just focus on you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, this is the last week of our uh, series on the book of Philippians. It's been 10 weeks this summer where we have been diving kind of deeply into the book of Philippians. And, uh, you know, it's been great. I have learned so much. I have really, truly enjoyed uh, teaching through the book of Philippians. I hope you have enjoyed it as well. We've had multiple opportunities to talk about the context, the context which uh, Paul was writing from, uh, this jail in Rome, who he was writing to, these people in in Philippi and what was kind of happening in in their city and, and all of that been able to look not just at kind of individual passages, but how passages connect to uh, themes in the book of Philippians, how uh, those themes kind of connect to uh, the rest of Scripture. And so, uh, you know, those are things we don't always get to do. Uh, but in the summer, we try and make some extra time for it. More than two dozen of you signed up to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to just hear Joe talk about the book of Philippians on the weekend. I'm going to read through it collectively together as a church. That's a huge part of our summer series is the scripture reading plan. And it was great to do it on the uh, Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app this summer. I could see people's progress. Uh, We could see each other's progress. Uh, I saw the comments going back and forth. It was a great, great way to kind of experience scripture together. And You know, uh, that's been a part, we've been doing this now for for several years, where we take some chunk of Scripture, uh, sometimes it's a a survey of the Old Testament, sometimes it's a New Testament person, sometimes it's a book of the Bible like it was this summer, where we take some larger piece and we say, you know, we're going to kind of dive a little deeper into this, and we're going to provide a reading plan that we could all Uh, join in together with, because what we want to do is we want to increase your biblical engagement. What that means is simply, we want to increase the number of times that you open up a Bible, you get out your, your smartphone, you open up the Bible app, and you read it, and you pray, and you say, God, what are you saying to me in these words? 
What am I going to do about it this week? Because study after study has taught us that there are all kinds of things that we can do to grow spiritually. There are wonderful things that we can do, but one of the base, one of the most basic, one of the best ways is to increase the number of times we do those very things. The number of times we ourselves go to a Bible and we say, okay, I'm going to read this section. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to ask God, what are you saying to me here? What are you saying to me what can I do about that this week? I pray you had multiple opportunities to do that this summer. I pray that somehow, uh, kind of through that, maybe some things got reignited in your heart, in your passion for a learning about God through Scripture grew. That's really, truly the desire of our summer series, and especially as we've been working through the book of Philippians. Well, uh, with that, I want to just kind of jump right in. There's so much here today in the kind of the very end of the book of Philippians. I want to just jump right into our passage. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. These are the last words Paul writes to the people in Philippi. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. That at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength, Paul says. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, you are, uh, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all of God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those belonging to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Amen. I read uh, a commentary this week on this section, and they they title those, and this one really, uh, I thought, man, this is spot on. Uh, The title for this section was this, Thanks, Sort of. And maybe that's how you uh, heard those words from Paul, 
right? Uh, this morning you, you, you hear, it sounds like he's trying to say thank you. Uh, we've been studying this book for, you know, 10 weeks now. And uh, we've talked many times about how uh, what started all this, what started the letter was that Paul was imprisoned in Rome. The people in Philippi, they're worried about him. They send him money. They send him Epaphroditus to be a helper. And it sounds like Paul's trying to say thank you, but he's going about this really roundabout way to get there. And Paul's not trying to be deceptive here. He is truly thankful. But in true Paul fashion, even in his thank you, even in the close of his letter, he's trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach them something. And um, while he's showing his appreciation for the financial support, he he wants to make sure that they know he's going to use it. But he also wants to make sure that they know this, that God's work in the world wasn't dependent on their generosity and that he wasn't doing this for financial gain. He wants that clear in their minds. And so what we get, and I kind of broke this out for us, is this uh, kind of dueling things happening here in uh, Philippians, in the section that we read. And so in verse 10, 14, and 18, we see Paul trying to thank them. Verse 10, he says, I have great joy. I have great joy because of your concern for me, because you were thinking about me, uh, because you weren't thinking about your own troubles, your own situations. You were thinking about me. I have great appreciation, great joy for that, Paul says in verse 10. Then down in verse 14, he adds, it was good of you. It was good of you to share my troubles. As believers, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be sharing each other's burdens, sharing each other's troubles. I'm so glad, Paul's saying, that you grasp on to that concept, that you get that. Verse 18, Paul goes on. He talks about just the immense value of their gift, how how meaningful it was to him. But then, kind of in between there, we got 11 through 13, where, where Paul, he, he claims, you know, uh, it was great that you sent this to me, but I didn't really need it. I had God, that was enough. Verse 17, he reminds that he, he didn't seek their support, he didn't ask for this help. And so again, we got this back and forth, this back and forth between, I want you to understand that I appreciate this. Paul's chief aim here, chief aim in this section is to teach the Philippians that while he, he appreciates their generosity, while he's certainly going to use their gifts, what he wants them to understand above everything else is the greatest value of their gift is that it is pleasing to God greatest value of their gift wasn't what it could do for Paul, uh, what kind of situations it could uh, uh, make more bearable. It wasn't whatever kind of warm, fuzzy feelings the Philippians might have gotten for giving. The greatest value of their generosity was that it pleased God. 
Paul wants the Philippians. He wants them to hear that message loud and clear. He says, get this. The second reason uh, for this kind of back and forth needs a little more explanation. Um, Paul, and, and really the rest of Scripture, has this very kind of cautious relationship with money. That's the best way I can describe it. It's just, it's, it's cautious. Frank uh, Thielman, uh, an author and biblical scholar, writes this, The Old Testament warns that wealth tempts those who possess it to believe that they're self-sufficient. They don't need God. They, in fact, can be even gods themselves. They, they, they won't need God themselves. And then he goes on to talk about some uh, verses. Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9 says, Give me only my daily bread, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? They point out Ezekiel 28, or he points out Ezekiel 28, where God promises destruction for a foreign king because this king has become wealthy, and he's saying, I became wealthy, and his pride has swollen, and he said, I'm so wise, I'm like God. And God promises destruction for him. Finally, in Hosea chapter 13, the Lord reminds Israel that when they were in the desert, They were hungry, and he fed them. When he took away their need, they became proud, and they began to forget about him after a while. And Jesus, Jesus is even clearer, even clearer on these topics. He pronounces woe to the rich and a blessing on the poor, and he claims that the wealthy can only enter the kingdom of God with great difficulty. Now, I remind us of these passages not to speak negatively about money, but because it can be difficult. It can be difficult to understand how to think about finances and faith, how to put those things together. And sometimes we can get the wrong ideas. One example of the wrong idea is one that is, is sometimes popular, and that is that seeing, uh, seeing money, finances as a uh, blessing that we're entitled to. A blessing we're entitled to. That's a, a, a major proponent of the prosperity gospel. Uh, preachers who will take uh, passages like Philippians 4.19 that we read today. They'll take it and they'll say, you know, uh, this, what this verse is saying is that like, when you give, like the Philippians gave, it, it's like a blessing. It's like writing a check back to yourself. You're going to get blessed ten times fold. And what they're saying is, and not just, they're not even just implying it, they're saying, and the blessing's going to be here and now, and it's going to be financial. And they ignore so many things that we know now. I mean, we've been studying this book all summer long. We know that the person who wrote Philippians 4.19, Paul, he wrote those very words from a jail cell. From a jail cell where uh, he was being unfairly imprisoned for his faith. We know that on multiple occasions, Paul was beaten 
We know that he had enemies and rivals in Philippi, in that church, in other churches, people who were going around and and they weren't fans of Paul. They were saying negative things about him. They were spreading rumors. And we know that Paul amassed no fortune for all his effort. And so... It's not right to think about money as some kind of guaranteed spiritual reward for being good. It's just not how it works. Second way we sometimes think about money is maybe a little more common and is dangerous in its own way. Oftentimes we we see wealth as neutral. In other words, it's not bad, it's not good, it's all in how it is used. But when we hold that up to those passages that we just read today, those summaries of the Old Testament teachings in, in Jesus' words, these warnings so often about how wealth can be this powerful corruptor. What we begin to learn, and I think this is really important and key, is what we begin to learn is uh, for Paul, for Scripture, wealth isn't some neutral thing. It's not neutral. It's this force to be dealt with. This force to be dealt with. Now, it can be dealt with, but it's wrong to think about it as neutral, that it doesn't have any power One of the lessons I believe Paul's trying to teach us here in the end of the book of Philippians is how to deal with this force that money can be in our world and in our hearts. The antidote. Antidote for this, uh, for the corrupting power so often of money and, and greed that so often accompanies money. For Paul, for Jesus, for Scripture, is generosity. Generosity. This is a lesson we all need to pay attention to. Because money corrupts all. Those who have it and those who merely wish they did. We need to make sure we catch what these lessons are all about. So with the rest of my time today, what I want to do is I want to look at three, uh, three reasons, three ways Paul, uh, Paul says we are to be generous. That's one of the things that Paul's encouraging here in the Philippians He wants them to be generous. They've already uh, shown themselves to be generous. He's saying, this is a good thing. I'm so glad that you've kind of caught on to this. I want to see this continue. So number one, first reason to be generous is that generosity is an encouragement to other people. It's an encouragement to to other people. That's certainly Paul's perspective. He says as much in Philippians. He says their gift, their gift was a great encouragement to him. A great encouragement to him. Uh, This gift from the Philippians, uh, Paul says, is even more precious. 
It's even more precious because I know you don't have a lot of resources. I know you're not a a wealthy people, Paul says. And he knows that they are facing their own persecutions, their own troubles. And so the gift is even more meaningful to Paul. The encouragement, though, it doesn't stop with the receiver. Paul is clear here that generosity is a blessing to the giver just like it is to the receiver. What he's driving at is that generosity is one of God's great characteristics. And when we are generous, we are being more like God. That's what we're called to be. That's interesting to, to kind of look at some of the ways that the Philippians, uh, uh, the Philippian church was uh, identified and talked about in other parts of the scripture. And one of the, um, one of the uh, things the Philippian church was known for was being generous. They were, being, they were known for being generous. Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, he talks about the Philippians' generosity and the encouragement that he wrote. 2 Corinthians uh, verses, chapter 8, verses 1, 2, and 3. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches of Philippi, Thessalonica, maybe a third. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, and entirely on their own. And so as I... Think about kind of this first reason that we're to be generous. One of the uh, questions it prompts in me, that I hope it prompts in you, is in your relational circles, in your families, in your friends, in your community. Are you known to be generous? The Philippians were. God calls his people to be a generous people. It's one of the attributes, he says, that should be, uh, it should coincide with our faithfulness. Generosity. Second reason Paul kind of gives here for being generous is that it's a spiritual investment. It's a spiritual investment. Uh, Philippians 4, 17 says, Your gifts to me, they were great. But what excites me most, Paul says, is the investment you made in your future. It's made clear in light of 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19, what Paul's saying. Command them, Paul says in 16 uh, to Timothy, uh, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Paul here is giving Timothy instruction on how to instruct believers. 
He says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's talking about treasures in heaven. Each time we stop thinking about ourselves, because that's our default position, each time we stop thinking about ourselves and we, and we think about how we can bless someone else, whether it's with our, our time, our talent, our finances, it's not forgotten. It's not forgotten by God. And Scripture says it's not just remembered, it's rewarded in heaven. I love the end of verse 18 in 1 Timothy where it says, willing to share. That's what Paul is trying to, he's trying to teach um, Timothy how to teach these believers. And, And he says what you need to encourage them to be is to be willing to share. The idea here is that the posture of generosity, the posture of generosity is continually looking out, looking for opportunities, actively seeking ways that you can bless other people. And so the question, the question we should be asking ourselves this morning is are we actively seeking ways to be generous? So many times we think of generosity as kind of this passive thing. In other words, uh, some need comes up, somebody comes to me and they ask, and maybe it kind of it, it pulls on my heartstrings a little bit, and I have an ability to help, and so I'm going to do that. And that is being generous. But I think what Paul's describing here goes beyond that. He's saying we need to have our eyes open, wide open, looking for ways to bless others. Looking for ways to have that generous heart like God has for us. To actively be seeking it. That's so much different than just kind of passively maybe participating every once in a while. third way Paul encourages the Philippians and us to be generous is he describes it as an act of worship. In Philippians 4.18, Paul tells the Philippians that their gifts were a pleasing and fragrant offering. And Paul here, he's making a direct connection between uh, uh, the act of being generous The act of being generous and an offering being made in the Old Testament, in Old Testament worship. Jesus said it like this. And as much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. When you give somebody something to drink, something to eat, when you clothe them, when you feed them, when uh, you go visit them in prison, or when they're sick. It's like you're doing it to God. Every generous act, every generous act can be done as an act of worship. Generosity. Generosity. 
It's not an easy thing. It goes against so many kind of natural things, so many kind of uh, worldly pressures. It goes so against so many things that make just sense in our mind. But when we embrace it, we begin to see the world more like Jesus intends us to see it. Josh, uh, I'm sorry, Jason Mitchell in his book, No Easy Jesus, he describes a friend who he worked at a large distribution center like a, a UPS, like a FedEx, and he, it was this great uh, warehouse, and there was conveyor belts everywhere, and he talked about just the packages that were zipping by one after another, just continually, all day, all night. And um, he then talks about our natural tendency. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, He says, you know, if a package uh, gets kind of pushed off into a corner, if it gets put on a shelf and forgotten, it's thought about as a failure. And then he goes on to uh, talk about our natural tendency to live like a warehouse rather than a distribution center. How we can be grabbing rather than giving. And the difference between the the warehouse and the distribution center is stark. The the job of the warehouse is to be careful, to, to, uh, to worry about running out, to manage the supplies. The distribution center, they know the packages are just going to keep coming. They're going to come faster than they can get them out the door. Their job is to do it as quickly as they can to move those things to who needs them. To go back to that passage from 1 Timothy just once more. 1 Timothy 6.18. Command them to do good. To command them to be rich in good deeds. To be generous. He adds, if you don't know what that word means, it means be willing to share. Ready, willing to share. We need to see God's provision and his blessing. Like the distribution center. Never ending, coming in faster than we can even get the blessing out. Let me pray for us this morning. Dear God, is. Paul wraps up this letter and he thanks the Philippians for their financial gift. As he encourages them and us to be generous, God, my prayer is that we can hear those words. That we can hear those words and we can think about ways in which in the next week, the next month, we can be more generous. And for some, God, that might mean financial. For others, maybe it's just simply being generous with our time. Maybe it's being generous with a a listening ear to a coworker at the office. Maybe, God, it's being generous with uh, helping someone in, in some kind of desperate situation, Lord. But as I think about what we talked about today, 
we read from your word, God, I know in my heart. And I pray in other hearts today as well, which just sticks out. Is that whole idea of what it means to be generous is that I'm willing to share. That I'm not just kind of grabbing and holding on to all the blessings that you give me. But that I have that generous spirit that you want us to have. That generous spirit that the Philippians had that, that Paul's trying to uh, foster and continue on. Help us all this week to develop that heart, that heart of generosity. When we're going out into our workplaces, we're going into our families, our communities, and we are actively seeking ways we can be a blessing to others. Help us to do that this week, God. In your name we pray. Thank you.